Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. Sister Miranda comes up, amen, hallelujah, to bring the word, hallelujah. Amen. She has her armory shirt on. Hallelujah. Baby dude pretty soon. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yes. As I waddle up. I might need a chair at some point, though. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Might need a chair. In a little high chair. Um, good evening, everybody. Brandon, you recording this for my mom? Okay. <laughs> my mom wants to be here. Um, hi everybody. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, today I'm going to minister on faith and obedience and being rooted in faith and obedience. Um, I'll open up with Hebrews 11, 1 in the Amplified. Now faith is the assurance, the title deed and confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So let's just open up in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time, God, that you have gathered every single one of us. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place to continue, God, to do the work from the inside out, Lord. Let us have an ear to hear, Father, a mind to comprehend, God, and a heart, Father, that just soaks in your word and that just hears, listens, and obeys to the word that you are uh, challenging our heart with. Um, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, uh, so we're going to start a little um, unorthodox this uh, night. I'm going to take my willing volunteer, and by willing I mean I married him, so he must come and volunteer for me. Um, I'm going to have him come up, if you could just bring the chair. He's willingly coming up here, by the way, not that one, that one. The one in the back. You got it. He's, he's coming, you guys. Um, I'm going to have him do a little something for me just to kickstart our night. Thank you, willing volunteer. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, just right there. Go. Okay. Now, <laughs> do me a favor. Sit down. Okay, you can get up now. Do me another favor because you love me and you love the Lord. Uh, stand on the chair. Okay. Now get off the chair. Now sit on it one more time. He's willing, guys. He's willing. <laughs> okay. Now stay right there. I'm going to ask you some, some spitfire questions. Edgar my beloved husband, why'd you sit on the chair? Because I told you to. You told me to? Because I, I told you to. Great question. Um, but why did you sit down confidently in the chair even though I told you to? It was safe. Uh-huh, it's safe, even though you thought about it for a second. Okay. Um, 
Has a chair ever fallen underneath you before? Yes. Sí. <laughs> How many times? Too many times. Too many times. But yeah, he still sat in it. Um, okay. So, why did you stand on the chair? Because I told you to. Okay. Good answer. Um, <laughs> now, have you ever read maybe the weight limit of that chair? Did you check to see if Pastor was okay with you standing on the chair? Nope. <laughs> Did you check to see if any of the bolts or screws were loose before standing on the chair? No? <laughs> no? Okay, so you, you can say that you were pretty confident in sitting and standing on that chair, right? Even though you fell a few times. Pretty, fairly confident that you were gonna, the, the chair was going to hold you up, right? Okay, so <laughs> like I said, the title of my message is Rooted in Faith and Obedience. One of the biggest problems that we're facing in this current Christian culture is that we have more confidence in inanimate objects, such as this chair, than we do a holy, unfailing, and all-powerful God. We trust that this man-made object will hold this up, even though it may not have held him up a few times. And yet we believe with our actions that God will not hold us up. We act like... We believe God will see us through, but without any actions displaying a lack of faith through doubt, complaining, or doing things our way instead of waiting on the Lord to direct us. But tonight I want to encourage all of us in the room this evening to refocus our eyes back on God, stir up our faith in God, refocus our faith away from the waves and the winds that are blowing and bringing distraction away. We need to refocus and realign our vision back to God and put our trust back in the Lord. Thank you, wonderful husband of mine. You may take your chair with you. Thank you so much for that. So going back to Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical sentence. So faith comprehends as fact all that cannot be experienced by our sense of sight, our sense of feeling, touch, smell, and taste. Faith is a sixth sense above all other senses. Talking about faith is, is not the same as having it. Having faith requires action, which is something that people in the armory shirts know because we taught a whole lesson on this. Um, <laughs> but James describes in James 2.26 that simply talking about faith is cheap. It's dead. It means nothing. What James is trying to get us to understand in that scripture is that faith is action. Faith is obedience. By definition, by definition, faith is not talking about, thinking about, or even celebrating God's truth. It is a process of you adapting your behavior, thinking about, or even celebrating God's truth. It is adapting your behavior, your decisions, and ultimately your whole entire lifestyle so that it accords with what God has asked you to do without needing to see the evidence that it will work out in the end. And when it doesn't work out the way that you hoped or you thought it would, that you still continue to do what he asked you to do. It is blind trust and obedience to a God that sees it all, knows it all, and is directing every path for you. Faith is a journey. I wish it was something that happened overnight. That would be super cool. Um, but it's not. It's a journey. 
It's a lifelong trust fall. (laughs) But in this trust fall, God keeps catching you time and time again. And the issue that we face as Christian believers in this journey is that we lose our faith. No matter how good God has been, we somehow find ourselves in new trials, facing new giants, asking the same questions we were asking with the last giant and with the last trial. Where are you, Lord? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening? And so on. Instead of acknowledging that he just brought you through something big and that no matter how big the next thing will be, he'll continue to bring you through. We struggle with doubt way too often. And we have this up and down roller coaster that we go through, believe, not believe, in, not out, you know, back and forth. And this reminds me of the Israelites because we like to make fun of them a lot, that they were always complaining and always murmuring. Um, And and in reality, we have a lot more in common than we'd like to admit. Um, They constantly struggled in their faith and obedience journey, as many of us do. Um, You see, if you read Exodus, um, they received freedom from Egypt as Moses parted the Red Sea. Um, You can see in Exodus 15, 19, the New Living Translation says, when Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers rushed into the sea after them, The Lord brought the water crashing down on them. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And and shortly after that, in verse 20 and 21, it says that Miriam the prophet, who was Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and led all the women as they played their tambourines and danced. And Miriam sang this song, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both the horse and the rider into the sea. We go through this cycle of God, you know, he brought us through and we worship. And then three days later, if you continue to read in Exodus, it only took the Israelites three days to begin to complain. And it says that they complained and not just that, not just that they complained, but they turned against Moses. You see that in verse 24. They, they didn't even complain and, and ask. They complained and were done. They were finished after years of bondage. So then Moses cries out, cries out to the Lord for help. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood and directed him to put that piece of wood um, into the oasis of Moriah that was too bitter to drink, now making that water drinkable. And the Lord then told these, are you playing? You, yeah, you're, you got it. Just keep going down because I'm telling the whole story. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. Um, and the Lord uh, tells these, these fickle people If they will listen carefully to the voice of your Lord, your God, and do what is right in his his sight, obeying his commands, I will not make you suffer any disease I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. So he gives them a promise. If you just listen to me, if you just hear my voice, then I promise you, I will heal you. And in spite of their complaining, the Lord guarantees them healing and protection and now drinkable water. Uh, In verse 27, It says that they now left Moriah, the oasis of Moriah, and they traveled onto the oasis of Elim, where they found 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they camped besides the water. The funniest thing about this is that they began to complain on day three about the, they're so thirsty and the water was bitter. They began to complain about that, but only nine miles away was the oasis of Elim. 
So those were like three or four verses away from each other when they received the water that the Lord made um, drinkable from being bitter to now walking to the oasis of Elim where there were 12 springs of drinkable water and 70 palm trees. And that's the funny thing is because God showed up in an unconventional way just like how I started today's sermon, right? He started in an unconventional way. And many of us don't get it because God doesn't show up in the way that we think he should show up. We really think he should come. God, you know, can you just do this for me? Can you do that for me? And God's saying, I'm going to do something for you. (laughs) I'm going to get you through it, but it's not going to be the way that you want or the way that you think. So we really go throughout our lives thinking that God didn't do something. He didn't go, he didn't get you out of it because he didn't get you out of it the way that you thought he didn't get you out of it. Um, but he definitely got you out of it. So this, this passage and just the knowledge of knowing that that oasis and the oasis of Elam was nine miles away shows God's unconventional power, his unconventional ways to use wood, right? He used wood in the water to show them his power, his goodness, and his grace. He could have made them walk nine more miles. He could have just said, Moses, just tell them to walk nine more miles. Instead, he had grace and he had mercy over them for being thirsty for three days, that he was like, okay, Moses, let me partner with you in obedience. And if you put the wood in the water, the water will become drinkable because he's gracious. So he showed them that. He showed them his power, his mercy, his grace. And then within that next month, they go tripping again. Um, And the Israelites continue this pattern of disobedience and complaining for years and years. And they they, they got nowhere. And they certainly didn't get to the promised land. A journey that should have taken 11 days took 40 years due to their disobedience, their lack of faith, their lack of obedience, and their lack of spiritual maturity. They were immature, faithless, and disobedient children, much like us at times. You see, when you continue to read about their story, God came through with water when they needed water. And when they complained about food, he provided manna from heaven and meat for dinner. Still, when the Lord tested them to not take their daily supply, more than their daily supply, some disobeyed and they continued to take more even though he constantly showed himself as provider time and time again. So how can they believe that the Lord can supply this miracle bread and this miracle meat um, that day and not believe it for tomorrow? And the question that I think we can ask ourselves, because this is, this is a check for all of us, for myself included and and where the Lord has been speaking to me. How can you and I believe that the Lord has been so faithful to us in the past? He has set us free. He has set our loved ones free. He has brought healing, provision. He has broken chains off of our life. How can we believe that for yesterday, but not for today? And it seems silly for us to not believe, but yet, like the Israelites who lacked faith, obedience, and spiritual maturity, who were not rooted in those things. We are not rooted in faith and obedience. And this has got to be a strong root in our life. 
We have got to recognize the voice of God. We've got to recognize the character of God. We have to know that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he is for us, not against us. He fights every battle. It took the Israelites three days, three days to start complaining. One month to turn away from Moses and Aaron. And shortly after making their covenant with the Lord, they traded a holy God in for a golden calf. After all that God had done, supplied, and showed them of his character, they placed more, uh, more faith in an inanimate object over a holy God. And the next time you sit down <laughs> in a chair, I hope you think, uh, you know, I hope you think just the, the same amount as, as mindless, mindless obedience. He just sat down. Why did you sit down? Because I told you to do so. Simple. <laughs> and, and oftentimes God says, I just want you to sit down. And you're like, I don't know, God. <laughs> Why do you want me to sit down? We ask all these questions, but just like my husband and I are in a covenant, he sat down because I simply told him to sit down or else we would talk later. <laughs> he didn't want to talk to me later, right? He didn't want to have a conversation with me later, so he sat down. He didn't know I was going to do any of this, poor thing. Um, but, yeah, but just like just like my husband, my, my God, we're, we're in a relationship. It should be just as easy for the Lord to say, I want you to do this, and you to say, okay, I'm going to do it. And instead, when the Lord says, you know, I want you to give $100, we think, I don't know, let me check all my bank accounts and see if that matches up. Or I want you to go pray for somebody. I don't know, Lord, what am I going to say? <laughs> what are they going to think? Instead of just mindlessly obeying, be simply because he said it. Um, one of the things that we talk about in the armory is the, 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 the definition, the Hebrew definition of obey. Uh, specifically in, in the verse John 14, 15, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And that word obey means Shema. And Shema, it means to hear, to listen, to give attention to, to understand, to submit and obey. Simply put, it means to listen and then obey. I use the example in class about a husband and wife. If I tell my husband, go take the trash out, he says, okay. And then an hour later, I'm like, you didn't listen to me. He's like, what do you mean? I heard you. Hearing is not the same as listening, because if he was hearing me, he would have taken the trash out. It's very simple, right? I think wives and husbands can understand that. Like, you didn't listen to me. And, and they're thinking, what do you mean? I heard you. You heard me, but because you did not do as I asked, there's not really a partnership here. But when I say, honey, I need you to take out the trash, and he says, okay, he's confirmed by his actions that he heard me, that he was listening, that he had his ear connected to me. And what we do is we, we tune out those obedience cues, and we're not listening to the Lord because we're not actually acting on it. So he, he's like, I told you, and you're like, oh, you weren't listening. Um, but obedience and faith are the same thing. We also learn in class that, that belief is not the same thing as faith, right? Sister Charlene, it's not the same thing. You can believe whatever you want to believe, but believing is only what you say. Faith is what you do. And, and every scripture in the Bible backs that up. Every scripture in the Bible would interchangeably use faith 
with obedience. Because it takes faith and obedience for Moses to have parted the Red Sea. It takes faith and obedience for Moses to have put a random piece of wood <laughs> that the Lord directed him to into the water. It takes faith and obedience for the Israelites to not take more food than they needed. It took both things, and those things are interchangeable. If I can make one word, those into one word, that would be great. Um, but faith is not belief. Faith is obedience, and those are the same thing. Hearing and obeying the voice of God is the only key to survival in this culture. It was for them, and it is now. We have to have faith that God can see it all and he knows it all and that he has our back. Obedience isn't a bad word. Submission isn't a bad word. <laughs> and obedience and submission are the difference between you spending 11 days where you are or 40 years where you are. You, you heard that one? <laughs> yeah. Faith turns into action through obedience. Now I wish I could tell everybody that I have had the most faith my whole life. I was talking to Sister Charlene about this as we reviewed uh, faith in class yesterday. I really wish I believed my whole life. It hasn't taken me 40 years to grow spiritual maturity, but it's taken me a good 20. <laughs> so, so at the place I am now, I believe that the Lord is the Lord. And I hope it doesn't take you 20 years to figure that out because it's been a really, really long time. And I wish I could say that I believed the whole 20 years that God would come through, but I didn't. But God has still been good. I, there was a few things I wanted to share. I'm going to end with a video um, that I heard um, at another church that I'm going to um, uh, some Bible classes at. And, um, and it talks about hearing the voice of the Lord and how important that is. And I wish it was something that I learned a lot earlier. Whew, I don't know if I'm crying because I'm like pregnant or <laughs> what. You know, God has been so incredibly good. And um, he has been incredibly faithful. And, uh, ooh, Jesus, help me, Lord. He's been incredibly faithful. And I wish I could tell my younger self where I would be in 20 years. And tell that girl to just, you know, see it. <laughs> see it. Believe it. But I didn't see it. I didn't see any of this. I didn't see, wish my mom was here so I could give her honor. But I know that she's going to hear it. Hold on. I'm going to get through this. I promise. I wish I could see the goodness of God when I was eight and the Lord brought me to this house and he met me and he showed me love. I wish I could see it when he took care of me, when he protected me, 
when he parented me, when he covered me. I wish I could see it when I was 16 and we were homeless and, and you know, we just got evicted and my parents were drug addicts and I, you know, gambling, you know, every rent check and I wasn't sure where food and where, where clothes and where shelter were going to come from. I wish I could tell that girl that God was going to come through. I wish I could tell her when she got a little older and things got really difficult financially and she was buying, you know, groceries on credit cards that God was going to provide. I wish when I was praying that I could just have guacamole on my chipotle bowl that God <laughs> would tell me that I was going to get that raise and you don't have to worry about guacamole anymore. I wish that I could have told that girl that not only is God going to restore your family, but that your mom was going to be like your best friend. That your dad was going to be an amazing father. And your parents are going to be great grandparents. I wish I could have spent more time loving the Lord and believing in the Lord instead of doing things the hard way. I wish I could have believed in, in, in friendship and in love and in my husband, who's amazing to me, and my, my best friend, who's even more amazing. And all the, um, thank you so much, you're just going to let me melt over here, girl. <laughs> I really wish those things but I didn't have the spiritual maturity to believe that God was so good. But the most amazing thing about that is even though I didn't believe and I went through this, this Israelite phase, I'm here and there's not one thing that can happen that you can convince me otherwise that God is not good. You cannot convince me that God has not been there, that God, God didn't come through conventionally. God came through in a very difficult way. My mom had a hard, well, my, my parents got sober because we were homeless. That's not how you get sober. <laughs> you know, hopefully you, like, you choose that, right? My parents got sober. Uh, I got a job. They moved with me, and I wouldn't let them hang out with anybody else. They got sober. They did it. That was hard for them. And the Lord upheld them. My mom got healthy and, and broke chains from cigarettes and from other addiction because she had a heart attack. Her third one. <laughs> she had two silent heart attacks that she didn't know about. And at the moment, you think, man, this heart attack is, this is the devil. That was the Lord. <laughs> that was the Lord that she had a heart attack. My mom got healthy, mind, body, and soul. She got delivered. She got of her right mind, of her sober mind. And it wasn't the way that we think. Because she had a heart attack. <laughs> she was dead for like three minutes, people. <laughs> it was terrifying. It was terrifying. Edgar knows he was there. We were supposed to go on a hot date. We were. <laughs> that's true. It wasn't a hot, hot date. It was just a, <laughs> we were dating. It wasn't a hot, hot date. It was, you know, mildly, mild, it was a medium heat date. 
we were down the street and we were about to order some sushi and my mom's like, I don't think this is acid reflux. <laughs> and, and, and here we go, he speeding on the freeway, picking my mom up, spending time. Turns out she's in the middle of a heart attack and God set her free. Then my dad, shortly after, he had Bell's palsy and a few other things go on and that scared the Jesus into him, okay? <laughs> He hasn't smoked for maybe like six months. The Lord has, has broken that chain over his life. My sister is back serving the Lord after 10 years of being away from the Lord. God's taking care of my older sister. Thank you, Jesus, because I'm believing for mental health and I'm believing for God to break those chains of addiction over her life because I'm standing for that. So not everything has been fulfilled, but now I'm a bit more mature, <laughs> and I know that God has done it. And I know that God has done it, and I didn't do anything about it. <laughs> he did it despite my disbelief. He did it despite my unbelief, despite my circumstances of where I thought he could. He over-exceeded. He Ephesians 320 me, okay? He went above and beyond what I ever thought could happen in my life. And I just want to encourage you, whatever year that you are on, that he's going to do the same thing for you because he is a good God. And you have to root yourself in faith and obedience. And it starts in your first journey of allowing the Lord to come into your life, to bring salvation into your life, and then carrying you through to the end <laughs> and it may not look like what you want it to look like but he's going to come through and he always will and he's so faithful and we have to tune in to the sound of his voice we have to tune in to uh, the heart and the character and the nature of our God because he is so good and so I just want to end with this video it's only an audio um, uh, but this is how I'm going to end um, it's about like eight minutes or so, and then you can just take off it an altar call because I don't really have much more um, to say. I just want to encourage uh, you guys as you listen to this audio because it really, um, man, it brought me conviction at my seat when I listened to it, and it brought me encouragement, um, and it, it, it rose up my faith to keep listening to the Lord because that's life or death. Um, I was in Alaska, there was a lawsuit. 